Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. This week, for the first time ever, we are actually sponsored by someone. Uh, so we're, we're finally finally going to get something out of this podcast. Ali, why don't you tell us a bit more about our sponsor this week? Absolutely. So our sponsor this week happens to be Skillshare. Now, Skillshare is actually a really good online learning community. Um, it's basically like a subscription service, sort of like Netflix. But instead of getting random TV shows and movies to waste your time with, you get access to a huge library of literally tens of thousands of online courses, ranging from all sorts of things to from like productivity and entrepreneurship entrepreneurship to drawing and writing and illustration animation and and like all this all this sort of stuff um and skillshare are great because they've actually been sponsoring my youtube channel for the last like year or so and i've actually got my own online course on skillshare about how to edit videos using final cut pro so if anyone fancies uh starting a youtube channel you should definitely check out my my own course on skillshare uh other really good ones are my friend thomas frank he's like this big productivity youtuber he's got his own skillshare course about how to build your own productivity system um, um, in which he kind of breaks down how to use a calendar and a to-do list and stuff effectively. Um, and it sounds kind of boring on the surface, but it's actually like really well put together. And I learned a lot of tricks from that that I've actually applied in my own life. But yeah, Skillshare is awesome. Um, if you use the link in the show notes or you can go on Skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking, that's Skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking, then you can get a free two month trial. And then when the two months is up, uh, you can sign up to a premium subscription if you really like. Uh, and that's less than $10 a month for unlimited access to all these courses uh i've got a membership i pay for it every month even though they sponsor my videos and now sponsoring this podcast i genuinely think it is worth the money so yeah thanks skillshare for sponsoring this this podcast there is actually just one thing i'd like to add i think what a really underrated way to consume online courses is basically as podcasts so like depending on the course uh, a lot of things yeah and it's nice to sort of watch someone teach you this thing whether that's on youtube or skillshare or whatever but for a lot of things you don't actually need to be watching anything and so listening to a course on how to write better or a course on comedy or anything like that you can you can actually consume that just as a podcast and so if you have access to high quality online courses that sort of opens up a new way for you to sort of learn stuff on the go you know at the gym whatever that's actually a really good point and they've actually got an app uh, that i have not actually tried to use in the car but i might try that next week <laughs> or driving to work see if i can consume some content about how to be funnier or something like that yeah yeah that would uh, that would really help anyway what are we going to talk about this week so this week this is something that i think every week when we sit down to think of a topic i propose this and then it's like oh that's a tough one to do requires a bit of prep uh, yada yada but there is a very good uh essay i suppose by uh, a chap called c.s lewis you may have heard of him uh and this essay talks about uh i think one of the biggest issues that certainly i've faced in my life it talks about the desire that we all have to want to be part of exclusive inner circles when it comes to all sorts of things um and so just to start off i'm going to read a bunch of excerpts from this essay. Uh, this is this is one of those things where in Instapaper, my sort of read it later app, basically the whole thing is highlighted. Just the whole thing is absolute gold. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start off reading a few passages from that and then we can talk about it. Sounds good. Go for it, man. Oh, you haven't actually got them up? Got it up. You've got it up now. Cool. Well done. All right. So C.S. Lewis says, I believe that in all men's lives at certain periods and in many men's lives at all periods, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside. This desire in one of its forms has indeed had ample justice done to it in literature. I mean, in the form of snobbery. Victorian fiction is full of characters who are hag ridden by the desire to get inside that particular ring, which is or was called society. But it must be clearly understood that society in that sense of the word is merely one of a hundred rings and snobbery, therefore, only one form of the longing to be inside. People who believe themselves to be free, and indeed are free from snobbery, and who read satires on snobbery with tranquil superiority, may be devoured by the desire in another form. It may be the very intensity of their desire to enter some quite different ring, which renders them immune from the allurements of high life. An invitation from a duchess would be very cold comfort to a man smarting under the sense of exclusion from some artistic or communistic coterie. Poor man, it is not 
large lighted rooms or champagne or even scandals about peers and cabinet ministers that he wants. It is the sacred little attic or studio, the heads bent together, the fog of tobacco smoke, and the delicious knowledge that we, we four or five all huddled beside this stove, are the people who know. Often the desire conceals itself so well that we hardly recognize the pleasures of fruition. Men tell not only their wives but themselves that it's a hardship to stay late at the office or the school on some bit of important extra work which they've been left in for because they and so and so and two others are the only people left in the place who really know how things are run. But it's not quite true. It is a terrible bore, of course, when old Fatty Smithson draws you aside and whispers, look here, we've got to get you in on this examination somehow. Or Charles and I saw that you've got to be on this committee. A terrible bore. Ah, but how much more terrible if you were left out. It is tiring and unhealthy to lose your Saturday afternoons, but to have them free because you don't matter, that is much worse. Okay, right. So that that's all very well and good but like you know i can i consider myself someone reasonably smart and i've done english english literature but i couldn't really keep up with the kind of that in in spoken word format so can you kind of summarize the main essence of his thing using simple english because he's writing in very like old school old school academics yeah, yeah yeah okay i'll summarize those bits so basically he says uh for most of us at various points in our lives we're going to feel this desire to want to be part of some inner circle okay and 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 then he says that some of us may feel like we're above such desires you know we don't want anything fancy we don't care about money we don't care about this and that but he, he says that this is actually quite dangerous because plenty of those people who don't care about these sort of obvious exclusive things they care about like an understated sort of exclusive thing like you know being part of some you know a sort of small club of people who like really get i don't know some art or whatever you know where it's not really about money it's just about having this sort of in, inner circle of people in the know um and he says that th- that this desire to be inside these inner circles is 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 quite often hard to see because we kind of lie to ourselves and to other people about it. So he gives the example of like, oh, you know, if you're dragged into doing some extra thing at work on the weekend, you know, you complain about that to your wife. You kind of feel sorry for yourself. Like, oh, I have to do this extra stuff. But if you were the person that never gets called up to do the extra stuff on the weekends, you'd feel even worse because then it's like no one really cares, right? Okay, yeah, that but, all makes sense so far. So that's, that's what he said so far. Um, I will carry on. He says, uh, I've skipped a bunch of paragraphs in between. And then he says, I have no right to make assumptions about the degree to which any of you may already be compromised. I must not assume that you've ever first neglected and finally shaken off friends whom you really loved and who might have lasted your lifetime in order to court the friendship of those who appear to you more important, more esoteric. I must not ask whether you have derived actual pleasure from the loneliness and humiliation of the outsiders after you whether you've talked to fellow members of the ring in the presence of outsiders simply in order that the outsiders might envy, whether the means whereby in your days of probation you propitiate, propitiated the inner ring were always wholly admirable. admirable. I will ask only one question, and it is, of course, a, rhetor- a rhetorical question which expects no answer. In the whole of your life as you remember it, has the desire to be on the right side of that invisible line ever prompted you to act or word on which, in the cold small hours of a wakeful night, you can look back with satisfaction if so your case is more fortunate than most so what he's saying here is he's saying look i'm not going to assume that any of you know that that the listener has like cast aside their friends to try and find a cooler group of friends he's not going to assume anything like that he's not going to you know ask whether you know we've we've ever had like the pleasure of you know seeing someone else being excluded from this thing that we're a part of um and you know he's not going to ask whether we've like intentionally signaled to outsiders of a particular circle that we are insiders to that circle he's he's saying like he won't ask all of these things the only thing he will ask is that you know when we've encountered the desire to be part of any kind of inner circle looking back on how we've acted on that desire are we ever actually satisfied with anything that's come from that like are we ever proud of anything we did to be inside any inner circle that's what he's that's what he's asking. okay yeah I, I, I can see that cool and uh i will uh I'll, I'll read the next paragraph he says my main purpose in this address is simply to convince you that this desire is one of the great permanent mainsprings of human action it is one of the factors factors which go to make up the world as we know it this whole pell-mell of struggle competition confusion graft disappointment and advertisement and if it is one of the permanent mainsprings then you may may be quite sure of this 
Unless you take measures to, pre to prevent it, this desire is going to be one of the chief motives of your life from the first day on which you enter your profession until the day when you are too old to care. That will be the natural thing. The life will come to you of its own accord. Any other kind of life, if you lead it, will be the result of conscious and continuous effort. If you do nothing about it, if you drift with the stream, you will, in fact, be an inner ringer. I don't say you'll be a successful one, that's as may be, but whether by pining and moping outside rings that you can never enter, or by passing triumphantly further and further in, one way or the other, you will be that kind of man. So what he's saying here is, is that this isn't, this isn't like, uh, like a side note that we should maybe think about occasionally. He's saying that if we don't intentionally think about this general issue, then the, by default, we will end up being people who are driven by this desire to be inside sort of exclusive circles. He thinks this is so fundamental, like a desire in all of us, that if we don't actively do something against it, it'll be like the default way we live our lives. That's what he's saying. Okay, fair enough. Uh, he, he goes on, he says, I've already made it fairly clear that I think it better for you not to be that kind of man, uh, i.e. the kind of man who uh, desires to be inside these inner circles. But you may have an open mind on the question. I will therefore suggest two reasons for thinking as I do. It would be polite and charitable charitable and in view of your age reasonable in view of your age reasonable to to suppose that none of you is yet a scoundrel uh in this sort of essay he's actually addressing uh i don't know some college graduates or something um so maybe like similar age kind of people to i don't know our listeners and us i suppose so he's saying look i'm not going to assume that any of you is yet a scoundrel um and then he says on the other hand by the mere law of averages it is almost certain that at least two or three of you before you die will have become something very like scoundrels so he's saying you know i'm not i'm not calling you're a scoundrel now any of you but chances are at least a few of you will become scoundrels at some point in your life uh, and then in the next paragraph he says and the prophecy i make is this to nine out of ten of you the choice which could lead to scoundrelism will come when it does come in no very dramatic colors obviously bad men obviously threatening or bribing will almost certainly not appear over a drink or a cup of coffee disguised as triviality and sandwiched between two jokes from the lips of a man or woman whom you've recently been getting to know rather better and whom you hope to know better still, just at the moment when you are most anxious not to appear crude or naive or prig, the hint will come. It'll be the hint of something which the public, the ignorant, romantic public, would never understand. Something which even the outsiders in your own profession are apt to make a fuss about. But something, says your new friend, which we, and the word we, you try not to blush for mere pleasure, something we always do. And you will be drawn in, if you are drawn in, not by desire for gain or ease, but simply at that moment when the cup was so near your lips, you cannot bear to be thrust back again into the cold outer world. It would be so terrible to see the other man's face, that genial, confidential, delightfully sophisticated face, turn suddenly cold and contemptuous, to know that you had been tried for the inner ring and rejected. And then if you are drawn in, next week it'll be something a little further from the rules, and next year something further still, but all in the jolliest, friendliest spirit. It may end in a crash, a scandal, and penal servitude. It may end in millions, a peerage, and giving the prizes at your old school. But you will be a scoundrel. So he's saying that, you know, in the moments when the moments when we're faced with this desire, they're not going to be like dramatic moments, you know, some you know, some mafia guy approaching you on the street saying, hey man, want to join the club? Just kill this guy and you're in. You know, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be someone who you know, you, you've been getting to know a bit more, maybe you sort of want their approval or something, and they'll ask you to do something, or you know, they'll sort of say something that is kind of innocuous, that isn't like too, you know, it's not too out there, and out of the desire not to sort of, want, not to like let them down, or not, not, not wanting to make things awkward, you may actually go along with that, and that'll be the first step on a slippery slope of doing more and more things which are scoundrelous, uh, and ending up in a, yeah, a scoundrel. Does that make sense, Ali? Yeah, reasonably so. Okay, cool. He uh, he says later on, so that is my first reason, he says, of all the passions, the passion for the inner ring is most skillful in making a man who is not yet a very bad man do very bad things. Okay, so he's saying that this desire to fit into stuff is gonna be the death of us. Uh, yeah, he says it's it's uh, it's a big force in like turning good people, uh, making good people do bad things, basically. Okay, uh, and, and so he he thinks he says that that's that's the first of his two reasons why this is such a bad force. Um, the second, he says, says, my second reason is this. The torture allotted to the Danaids in the classical underworld, that of attempting to fill sieves with water, is a symbol not of one vice, but of all vices. It is the very mark of a perverse desire that it seeks what is not to be had. The desire to be inside the invisible line illustrates this rule. 
As long as you're governed by that desire, you will never get what you want. You are trying to peel an onion. If you, if you succeed, there will be nothing left. Until you conquer the fear of being an outsider, an outsider you will remain. Uh, he says a few more things. Uh, then he says, the circle cannot have from within the charm it had from outside. By, by the very act of admitting you, it has lost its magic. Once the first novelty is worn off, the members of this circle will be no more interesting than your old friends. Why should they be? You are not looking for virtue or kindness or loyalty or humor or learning or wit or any of the things that can really be enjoyed. You merely wanted to be in. And that is a pleasure that cannot last. As soon as your new associates have been staled to you by custom, you'll be looking for another ring. The rainbow's end will still be ahead of you. The old ring will now be the drab background for your endeavor to enter the new one. And you'll always find them hard to enter for a reason you very well know. You yourself, once you're in, want to make it hard for the next entrant, just as those who, or who are already in made it hard for you. <coughs> Naturally, in any wholesome group of people which holds together for a good purpose, the exclusions are in a sense accidental. Three or four people who are together for the sake of some piece of work exclude others because there is work only for so many of them, or because the others can't in fact do it. Your little musical group limits its numbers because the rooms they meet in are only so big, but your genuine inner ring exists for exclusion. There'd be no fun if there were no outsiders. The invisible line would have no meaning unless most people were on the wrong side of it. Exclusion is no accident, it is the essence. The quest of the inner ring will break your hearts unless you break it. But if you break it, a surprising result will follow. If in your working hours you make the work your end, you will presently find yourself all unawares inside the only circle in your profession that really matters. You will be one of the sound craftsmen and other sound craftsmen will know it. Um, so to summarize that, he says, he says basically the, the inner ring, inner rings are characterized by sort of uh, the, their sole purpose almost being exclusion. Uh, he, he says there are, there are sort of exclusive groups that might end up happening, you know, like your, your musical band or whatever, you know, you can't have unlimited people in that. But the point of the band is not exclusivity. Uh, you know, in like a work scenario, there might be a few people who are doing some project, but the reason is because that's as many people as it takes and maybe no one else can do it. The reason is not for the sake of exclusivity, but when it comes to these inner rings, the reason is the uh, is, is essentially uh, exclusivity. So he's not, he's saying that not all exclusive groups are bad, but uh, yeah, the, these inner rings are bad kinds of exclusive groups. Uh, and he, he also says that, you know, even if you manage to break into some inner ring, it's it's like a never-ending quest. There's always going to be another more exclusive one that you want to break into. And, and you're sort of, because you kind of sort out these rings for the wrong reasons, there's actually nothing to enjoy while you're inside them. Uh, the only thing to, to kind of get once you're inside is, is sort of the next more exclusive ring. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then the, the other bit that I read just at the end there is that he, he says that basically in the context of work, if, if in your working hours you make the work your end, i.e. you don't care about uh, you know, political things and trying to join exclusive groups, you will accidentally find yourself inside the only circle that matters, which is the circle of kind of legit people, essentially. And other legit people will, you know, be able to recognize you as a fellow legit person. Um, and later on, he says, and if in your spare time you consort simply with people you like, you will again find that you have come unawares to a real inside, that you are indeed snug and safe at the center of something which, seen from without, would look exactly like an inner ring, but the difference is that the secrecy is accidental and its exclusiveness a byproduct, and no one was led thither by the lure of the esoteric, for it is only four or five people who like one another meeting to do things they like. This is friendship. Aristotle placed it among the virtues. It causes perhaps half of all happiness in the world, and no inner ring can ever have it. And then he ends the, uh, he ends the thing saying, We are told in scripture that those who ask get. That is true in senses I can't now explore. But in another sense, there is much truth in the schoolboy's principle, them as asks shan't have. To a young person just entering on adult life, the world seems full of insides, full of delightful intimacies and confidentialities, and he desires to enter them. But if he follows that desire, he will reach no inside that is worth reaching. The true road lies in quite another direction. <laughs> so he basically says that, uh, you know, gr groups of friends are other kinds of sort of accidentally exclusive of groups and uh, they're very special and they're very good 
Uh, and he ends by saying that, you know, for young people, uh, the, the rest of the world seems like there are lots of uh, insides, lots of like inner circles that, you know, are, are sort of desirable to try and break into. Uh, but he says, you know, following that desire, you will not reach any inside that is worth reaching. Uh, and, you know, basically don't don't do that, kids. Okay, so this is um, C.S. Lewis giving some kind of like commencement or graduation speech or something. Um, and I read all of this when you, when he sent it to me and I was like, okay, this is this is an, an interesting read, but I don't think it had as profound an effect on me as it seems to have done on you. So can you elaborate on why this this was so relevant to like life for you? I think we've I mean I think we've touched on it like you know in plenty of podcasts that we've done. I think for example like I know we talk about how back in school uh, you said you didn't really care about this stuff, but I definitely wanted to be like one of the cool kids. And that's like the earliest manifestation of an inner ring, right? It's like all oh, those people are cool in my class or in my year. I want to be I want to be friends okay. with them. Yeah, I can go go on board with that. I've, I've certainly had this <laughs> certainly had this uh, desire to fit in um, manifest itself. So, so sometimes helpfully, sometimes unhelpfully. Yeah, and then I mean, yeah, I think uh, the reason I thought it was so profound is because yeah, I've just seen it repeatedly throughout my life, and I've just I think for me certainly it's it's always been quite a strong desire. Like I said, you know, at school it was kind of I want to be part of the cool kids group uh, at university university even though I, I was sort of was more aware of it at this point i was actively trying to fight the desire i still felt this like oh man those those people seem like the cool kids i want to join them and then even when i sort of uh, had a job back when i had a real job you know when i joined the company i still kind of saw the inner ring of like oh man those are like the cool people i i want to try and be friends with that guy uh, at the company um and so I, I felt like yeah i've just felt this desire very constantly and i think what what c.s lewis says about yeah he says he wants to ask everyone that in the pursuit of this desire have you ever done something that you're satisfied with or proud of doing and i think the answer is always no right what kind of inner rings have you tried to tried to break into okay so i can relate to the example of the cool kids one at school um but like as as we've discussed in previous episodes, I don't, re- I, don't I, I, I didn't really feel any particular pull of that that inner ring, or at least didn't think there was a possibility of getting membership into that particular inner <laughs> ring, you know, uh, uh, w- 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 which would have been equivalent to kind of trying to trying to gain gain membership in the first eleven football team. Uh, is football eleven aside, uh, or is it that. is it seven aside? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think so. You say you didn't want to be part of the cool kids group. C.S. Lewis, I I believe C.S. Lewis subtweets you uh, yeah. when he's when he says the paragraph about oh you. Know, some some of you will basically think you're above all of this stuff. You don't want to be part of the Cougars group. You don't need money or fancy things. You had, you, I think, you probably had an equivalent inner ring of like, oh, it's just me and my nerd friends. We're in the know. We're playing these little online games, and all these other kids they're chasing girls and they're chasing yeah football and they're chasing a ball <laughs> around a pitch. We you know you had we your are buying black powder missiles and kings of chaos. <laughs> yeah, that's precisely it. Like you you that was an inner ring of uh, I don't know maybe maybe it was maybe it wasn't but like. Is, has there been any anti inner ring it rings for you? Wait, what do you mean by anti inner rings? Just like the the thing about like not the obvious inner. Ring. Oh, not okay, sure. You know. So so in the in the school example, I I think yeah, there was an element of th- this is my tribe. Uh, this is kind of what we do. But there was I think I think what C.S. Lewis is saying is that when you have this inner ring where there is some element of exclusivity in it, then then it's a it's it's a bad sort of inner ring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas you know we were trying to get other people to play kings of chaos with us <laughs> you know for the record you know when i started the chess club it wasn't a case of oh it's just going to be me and my little nerd friends it was like a look please anyone who wants to come please come to my chess club so it's more than just three people in there you know it was it was, oh, okay. it was yeah, that yeah, yeah. sort of inclusivist rather than exclusivist vibe but i think i th- i think the first time I, I i remember consciously kind of fe- feeling the pull of the inner ring was at university when i was first getting into like the paxoc and the islamic society and stuff uh, and there was the, there was this group of like uh quote uh cool kids who were sort of a year above me or two years above me that i was like oh this is great um and they would start like inviting me to the kind of hangouts where it would be like me and maybe one or two other freshers and then like the second and third years oh how did that make you feel and that made me feel amazing because it was like <laughs> oh my god you know these guys are considering me as like part of their part of their like inner circle and it was a really nice sense of belonging that i felt um and quite a lot of it was very inclusivistic like you know uh, just sort of open invite bring whoever along but there was another group of friends who were also was also kind of cool where it was a bit more of an exclusivistic 
automatic vibe. Like, for example, instead of it being a message on the general WhatsApp group, it would be a private DM on WhatsApp saying, hey, uh, do you want to come around? Uh, so-and-so is here. And and the subtext would kind of be, by the way, don't tell X, Y, and Z that this is happening. Yeah, yeah. And anytime that would happen, I would always feel a little bit like, ooh, mm. a little bit like shameful for kind of going going along with this. Yeah. Um, and I haven't really thought about it since like in the last like five, six years, but kind of thinking back, I did have that sense of unease, but I think more it was the desire to fit into this cool kids group um, that made me try and try, try and, and go for that inner ring. And then like, a lot of this stuff, I think I noticed it specifically like in my in my second and third year where I'd, I'd see other inner rings forming. And at this point, I was always like really, I will, I will, I will, at least I'd like to think I was fairly anti inner ring and in that I would, I would actively make an effort to be non-exclusivistic, like yeah. to, act, to actively invite everyone to everything just because I really rebelled against this notion that, you know, friendship groups should be ex- exclusivistic. And so th- there would be all sorts of, all sorts of situations whereby I'd message someone inviting them being like, hey, a few of us are going out for dinner. Do you want to come? and then be like oh sorry I'm busy um, and be like what's going on and then they'd kind of be a bit cagey about it and then I'd find out later that oh they were actually going to the cinema with some other group of friends which was kind of more of an exclusivist thing and therefore wasn't on the on the, on the WhatsApp groups Yeah. and I felt that this sort of inner ring dynamic kind of amongst the undergraduates that I knew that I was friends with like led to a lot of drama and a lot of problems um, yeah I don't know I don't know if you have any similar experiences do I have any similar experiences? I think specifically, and don't cancel me for saying this, but I think this inner ring stuff, at, at least, you know, caveated with amongst the people that I knew, I felt this was more prevalent amongst the girls than amongst the guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I've spoken to this, uh, uh, about this at length to all of the people who are in, in, involved with this, and all of the girls, like, invariably seem to agree that their exclusivistic inner rings were much more of a, a concrete thing than with the guys. Because the impression I get among, amongst the guys is that, you know, like, we don't think too hard about this sort of stuff. It's usually like, okay, we're going to play football, whoever wants to play football, come along. Whereas with the girls that I knew, it was more of a, okay, this is a hangout with us three or four people, and we don't want to bring those people because that person doesn't like that person. And then someone would have a falling out in that particular friendship group, and then they would become ostracized from the group. Like, not sort of explicitly, but would would, would start, start to get fewer WhatsApp DMs inviting them to things and right it felt like a quite a like and anytime at university i'd i'd hear about like one of my female friends feeling bad because she was left left out from a group i'd always think oh damn here here we go again um whereas i feel like with the guys it was it was less of an issue i don't know if you've <laughs> if you can relate oh okay um i don't know no i i had i had some female friends back at university and yeah i don't know maybe i just wasn't in on them maybe i wasn't in the right rigs or anything <laughs> yeah I, I didn't hear about this, this drama and stuff but um yeah i mean in my experience i haven't really noticed any trends but maybe if we yeah maybe if we had a girl uh, as a guest on the podcast again then we can ask them about it but yeah that's interesting i think the inner rings you know i think i like, yeah like, like i said i was aware of the inner ring desire within me at university and so i did try and sort of actively fight it however i think you you've mentioned something which i think isn't quite inner ringing and i and i remember you used to do this thing which i actually found quite annoying i remember one time in like second or third year oh here we go in like second or third year you visited oxford with like a couple of friends you guys all stayed over in my room uh for like uh, i don't know the weekend or something all right and uh, there happened to be a um, an ISOC formal uh, at my college on that day or something, the Friday or the Saturday. Uh, basically like a dinner at my college uh, for the Islamic Society. So like lots of, basically lots of uh, members of the society from around the university came to this dinner thing. Uh, and, you know, people who I was mostly friends with uh, and Ali probably knew a bunch of them. And then after this formal, I was hoping it would, you know, we'd, we, as in you, me, and the other couple of people who were staying over at my place, we'd go back to mine and have like a really chill kind of intimate sesh. That's what I was hoping for. And then you, I think, in your desire to not create an inner ring, you literally invited everyone at the formal to come over to my study and hang out for the evening. <laughs> and like, come over to your study, lol. <laughs> and it was, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a ton of people. Uh, and and my, I remember I was a little bit annoyed by that because I think I think it should be acceptable to have sort of uh, limited gatherings with a different dynamic. Not, uh, but not limit. Yeah, not lim- limited ga- gatherings of limited size. Not because of the exclusivity, but because the dynamic changes when there are different groups of people and different numbers of people and stuff like that. So I think it is acceptable to say that you know at this you know we're having dinner. It's just like a few of us. 
and that's it. I think I think there is an acceptable way to do that and, and a reasonable way to do that. Mm, so and so you've kind of called that out as inner ringing when I think, I'm sure it often is, but I think it also often isn't. Okay, fine. So this kind of reminds me of a tweet that you linked me a few weeks ago, I think, which was, I, th- I think it was, it was along the lines of, it was someone saying that, oh, he, he, do you remember that time in, uh, in high school where you'd go to, where the, uh, there'd be like a party around someone's house, but only a select few people would actually be invited to sleep over that night. Um, and therefore you'd have to kind of talk about it amongst each other, but not too like blatantly so that other people wouldn't feel left out. Wow. What a time to be alive. You know, th- I sent you that. Yeah. I, or, or, oh, okay. or, or I came across on Twitter or, or okay, something like yeah, that. And I was yeah. like, Oh, that's profound because that is like, you know, like on the surface, that sounds like not in a ring because obviously, you know, if, if you're staying over at someone's house, feasibly, there's only room for maybe four or five people to stay over depending on the size of a house. Yeah. And therefore, you know, f- you have a, uh, a quote, good reason for, uh, to be exclusivist. Yes. But it does feel very inner ringing because it's, it is very much the case that in the, in that context, you want to be part of the inner ring who gets chosen to sleep over that night. Um, and in a way you feel the sense that the allure of being part of the inner ring and, if everyone could stay over and it was just a case of, you know, people's mums allowing them to, then it wouldn't be as as fun, as as, as interesting a thing as, as that not being the case. And I get that that's not what you're saying about about your sort of having having four people in your bedroom rather than 15 people in your bedroom. But I think that is the sort of inner ringing that I, will, I will sort of try and rebel against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Uh, you're basically saying that there there's like, all right, we need a word for, for it when it's not quite inner ringing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's just say like, let's make a distinction between like uh, an exclusive group and an inner ring. Where like an exclusive group is like, uh, uh, I don't know, accidentally exclusive or incidentally exclusive. Whereas an inner ring is like meant to be exclusive. Okay, so incidentally exclusive would be something like, hey, you know, all of my friends who also play World of Warcraft were having a LAN party where we play World of Warcraft and order pizza together. I mean, that's incidentally exclusive because yeah, yeah. it just so happens that I don't have many friends who, who play World of Warcraft. <laughs> you could have stopped there. <laughs> I say you yeah, for that one. Well done. Um, whereas I feel like your thing was in 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 that particular situation it, it, it was specifically uh we are actively going to exclude people from this hangout ostensibly the reason would have been oh because only four of us are staying over but you know that doesn't preclude 15 people from coming over and then the four that stay over will end up because they're staying over and people are going to leave at broadly the same time so I, I don't think your example fits into this incidental exclusivity I think it fits into intentional exclusivity okay I, I think it's in it's intentional exclusivity but not exclusivity for its own sake it's like you know I want to hang out with Ali and another couple of mates who are just down for the weekend. That I should that should be a reasonable thing for me to be able to do without having to invite everyone in the college over to my room so that I'm not excluding them. You know, so like I think I mean, you you agreed that was, that would that was a reasonable desire of mine and not me and not like a, an inner ringing kind of desire. No, I agree. I think the intentions for that were pure, but I think I think there yeah, there's a danger. It's like the sleepover situation where you're kind of playing with fire, where it's like okay, you're in a large group of people and then you somehow a small group of you needs to leave that large group of people without anyone yeah anyone clocking <laughs> yeah or yeah. anyone feeling bad or feeling left out yeah yeah it's, it's kind of playing with fire because there is a risk of people feeling left out yeah when and you try and do that and i think in 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 that particular circumstance where a group of 15 people are going out for dinner at your college and then of those 15 people like everyone is kind of like so what's kind of happening now and then four people have to break away and be like oh well well um we're, we're just gonna head up to tamor's bedroom <laughs> <laughs> that feels t- like while the intention might be honourable and I, yeah. I, I get your desire to just hang out with Ollie and his mates from Cambridge um, I think it is too much playing with fire and therefore in that circumstance it makes sense to err on the side of inclusivity rather yeah, than yeah, inclusivity yeah, sure. yeah okay I may I, 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 I potentially back your decision there um, so yeah I think there are these situations where yeah it's it's kind of yeah I think playing with fire is a good phrase um, and I agree yeah it's probably best to be kind of cautious about not excluding other people in those situations but I think in general like I think sometimes the desire to be I, I guess we're sort of moving away from inner ringing now I think like C.S. Lewis has made all the points that need to be made and I think there's enough to think about there but I think the desire to want to be inclusive uh, can sometimes go a little bit too far and this sounds like something that I might get cancelled for but I assure you that's not the road I'm heading down <laughs> here we go put your pitchforks away 
<laughs> I was no, I was listening to a podcast uh, a, while, a few months ago. I think it was uh, Invest Like the Best with uh, with this lady who uh, she's like a researcher in like group dynamics, and so this was like you know up my street. And she's written a book on like group dynamics about like how different sort of uh, the, the d- dynamics of different groups of uh, sort of social groups. And she said that like there's this thing that sometimes happen happens nowadays where let's say like let's say there's a bunch of people in a group who are like you know single moms or something there's like a group of single moms and they want to have like a you know single moms kind of not you know single moms kind of dinner in at one of their houses and then someone one of the single moms um you know invites one of her friends ask you know can i invite my friend so and so she's not a single mom or anything but like you know i think she'll enjoy it or something like that and she she gives this this kind of example where uh you know on the i i think most people face in that scenario like if you're one of these single moms in this group and one of the other single moms is like oh can i invite my other friend who's like not related to the rest of us uh or this activity that we do you kind of you feel like a bit of a dick for being like ah oh, i don't know man it kind of kind of changes the vibe though right when there's like a non-single mom at the single mom event you know and you'd feel like a bit of a dick for that and uh to, to the extent that that quite possibly no one is going to speak up against it and it's going to be like bunch of single moms and then this rando who's like friends with one of them and it, i think it's true that it it does change the vibe i say change i don't I, I don't say kill i don't say ruin or anything but it does change the vibe when different kinds of people are present at an event and it is reasonable to want to have certain gatherings where it's like you know the single moms to like talk about being a single mom or something i don't know like or, or like you know your world of warcraft thing or i don't know uh i don't know a bunch of like startup founders wanting to have like a dinner once a month to like talk about you know startup stuff mm. i think these are reasonable things and over, i think that over exclusivity over inclusivity kind of uh kills these sort of spaces yeah so i actually had a an example of this fairly recently um so this was a gathering of guy friends at university and we knew that one one of the girls that we were all just ha- happened to be friends with um was like at a loose end that evening and w- w- was at a loose end what does that mean? was was at a loose end what does that mean therefore like she was free that she was she was free that evening and was sort of asking hey anyone want to hang out and, and do something and we'd like got this like kind of, kind of lads evening planned out and i think everyone kind of thought about this and so i proffered up to the whatsapp group hey w- what do we think about inviting jane to the lads only hangout or should we keep it la- or should we keep it lads only um and then no one replied for like a solid like five hours or something and then some someone some some hero said something like well is john bringing his girlfriend to which john immediately replied no she's busy and then it was like okay sorted it's gonna be a lads only event <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean that that question was as you know it could have been like, wait, are we are we having pizza at the lads thing? Oh yeah, it's lads only then. Yeah, <laughs> it's such an irrelevant question. No, it's actually not because because it was it was the perfect way to signal without being a dick that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. this was going to be a lads only yeah, event. Yeah, and we all commented on this when the event happened. We were like, so uh. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> and everyone was kind of like, "Yeah, I don't want to be the only one. I, I don't want to be the one to say no." Yeah, cause, yeah, cause, exactly. Cause everyone wanted it to be a lads-only event. Yeah, um, and like, it's it's not that we have anything against this female friend of ours. It's just that it would have changed the vibe a little. Yeah, bit. exactly. And occasionally, if in in that evening, we we kind of commented, "Hey, if if uh, Jane were here, we wouldn't be having this this uh, discussion right now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose it's sort of equivalent to the single moms talking about single mom stuff. Yeah, I think I think it's it's kind of related to the you know the idea of like you know safe spaces or whatever where people who share some characteristics you know people uh you know from from some minority group can just sort of <laughs> like the lads yeah like the lads <laughs> like the, the straight lads <laughs> the, look what i'm saying is the straight lads should have a space where they can come together <laughs> and talk about straight lad stuff yeah um yeah i think i think it's related to the yeah sort of the idea of like yeah the safe space and things and i think i think there should definitely be a r- room for these kinds of things but i think the like the desire to be inclusive sometimes infringes on that Mm, definitely yeah because it made me feel quite uneasy to not invite jane to this particular lads lads gathering but i knew that that it would change the vibe yeah i had to to kind of get over this inclusivist at all costs yeah and so i remember in the podcast the lady kind of said that in that scenario uh you know where someone uh offers to like invite the thing if you're if you're like the organizer of the group then it, it it's basically your responsibility to say like look i'm sorry 
I'm sorry, friend of Jane. Um, you know, this is like a single mom's thing. Jane is Jane's a double mom. <laughs> She's <laughs> very good. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it should be acceptable uh, for a group organizer to be like, look, I'm sorry. Um, you know, nothing against Jane, but this is not the time or the place. This is like this is you know this is the kind of event we're having, and, th- and that's it. And that's fine. And that's not an inner ring. Okay, fine. Um, there's uh, there's another bit of C.S. Lewis's uh, thingy um, where he, he talks about the pleasure of mentioning the inner ring to people who are not part of the inner ring. Ah, uh, ring signaling. Ring, oh, man, ring signaling. Uh, ring really, this, this really grinds my gears. Um, I think I might have mentioned this on a previous episode, but one thing that irks me more than almost anything else in the world uh, is when people mention the existence of WhatsApp groups to people who are not part of those WhatsApp groups. Oh, my God. I just like, I'm like, why what on earth is the point and i've been to gatherings whereby you know like of the eight people in the gathering like six are part of a particular whatsapp group and some people within this group will be referencing jokes that were made in the whatsapp group like oh my god did you see that thing that was posted in whatsapp group and i'm like it's like oh no please stop it why why on earth are you doing that i don't know if if you feel that yeah yeah i think yeah i'm also kind of fairly sensitive to um yeah i guess like just sort of inside jokes being referenced amongst people who like aren't in on the joke and like I, yeah it's it's one of my least favorite things and yeah it's something i, I always try and like emotionally manage at <laughs> at gatherings where it's like in your head you're kind of doing the math of like okay based on everyone <laughs> here what's like the acceptable kind of start topics what kind of stuff can i talk about <laughs> Yeah, I find I uh, I find I, I I do that quite a lot as well, which is kind of unusual because usually I don't emotionally manage anyone's feelings. No, you're right, you don't. I just kind of think about myself and and, and that's about it. But it's one of the few areas in which I'm very very sensitive to kind is, of not. Is that because you've kind of been on the receiving end of that? Maybe I guess it is. I think I have a few times where I where I just kind of <laughs> you know what's a joke, guys? Or oh, classic John, just kind of to uh, like sort of uh, casually highlight that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the absurdity of the situation but yeah yeah usually in those situations i'm uh like if if i'm sort of on the receiving end of it and i don't i think most of the time i don't know i don't know if i yeah i think most of the time it's, it's probably unintentional i'm just pretty open about it i'm like right what what are we talking about <laughs> you know <laughs> what, what what subgroup is this <laughs> why was i invited kind of thing yeah. uh, i think it, it, it's sort of like a nice way to address the elephant in the room and sort of uh yeah just kind of uh, joke uh, jokingly address it I'm trying to think if there's any examples in in my life where I've uh, I've I've been the one to ring signal amongst people who aren't intentionally ring signal. Yeah, I'm sure there. I'm sure there must have been. I'm sure I've done it tons of times. Oh, intentionally? Yeah, probably when I was younger. I like to think I wouldn't have done it in the past few years. Yeah, I mean, in the last few years. Like, oh, okay. I obviously can't condone any of my actions before like age 16 as being fully conscious. Yeah, fully competent. One area in which I'm unsure about the the ring signaling thing is in posting photos on Facebook of of group events. Oh, interesting. Because like I just on the one hand, Facebook is the easiest place to share pictures of a group event because it's a bit of a faff to make an iCloud shared photo album. It's a bit of a faff to make an album with Google Photos and add everyone's Google account to it. Uh, everyone kind of still still has Facebook and it's easy enough to tag people in it. Um, and I don't think for me the intention is to kind of ring signal in 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 any way. Uh, in fact, if anything, I think it's it's sort of I'm I'm posting stuff on Facebook, sort of feeling annoyed at the fact that there is going to be some level of ring signaling involved in this. That yeah, hey, we're the ones who went. On holiday to spain together or whatever and yeah but beyond that i'd like to think i don't intentionally ring signal but i don't know i'd be curious to hear from from the uh the audience do you ring signal like what sort of inner rings do you <laughs> do you want to be part of do you aspire to be part of like in your life today and are you doing things that you're not proud of in order to get there yeah i think it's a really important question for us to all think about and i think like you know as c.s lewis says this is something that <clears throat> is going to come up time and time again all throughout our lives it's not like once you get over this in secondary school then you're never going to face it again you're done it's not like once you get over at university it's never gonna it's going to be like a constant repetitive thing um that you yeah sort of really have to actively resist and uh it's something i I'm trying to be mindful of. Actually, so when we were talking about the whole ringing thing, um, 
it sort of reminded me of, I suppose, for me, one ring that I feel I'm not part of is like the the study YouTuber kind of ring. Wait, what? What's this? <laughs> so th- there are a few people who make kind of st- study-related YouTube videos. Okay. Um, and th- a lot of them seem to know each other and seem to like hang out. And a lot of them are part of the same management agency, which kind of makes sense. And they kind of go on like study YouTuber panels together at like YouTuber conferences and things. Yeah. And I've never really been part of this kind of inner ring, even though I kind of want to be. Um, yeah. But why do you kind of want to be? Because it's just kind of cool. Kind people, of, people with mutual interests you want to hang out with. Yeah. And, you know, because it's, it's rare enough to meet other YouTubers of a similar size, in, like in, in day-to-day life. Like six, you know, six foot, kind of yeah, 70 six, kilogram. Six foot, 70 kilograms. Oh, well, for five, 11 and a half is, is, is what I, I tell myself because ah. I don't want to over-exaggerate my, my, my own height. Nice. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard enough to meet other people who are five foot, 11 and a half. Um, and so part of me wants to be part of that inner ring. But then another part of me is thinking that, well, you know, while they're going off and talking in their panels and stuff, I'm, you know, sitting down on my laptop and doing some editing. So <laughs> <laughs> kind of part of me wants to feel as if I'm being the the uh, sound craftsman and, <laughs> and just kind of doing the thing. Um, I mean, it doesn't sound like that's an inner ring, right? It's 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 a pe- people with shared interests. It's it's just like yeah i mean what, what the, it's not like built for exclusivity or something or have you have you applied to be a member and they're like oh i've never applied to be a member <laughs> <laughs> i've never act- actively expressed an interest in being a member in, of yeah i uh, so would you expect to have been invited by now <laughs> Oh, good question. What do I expect to have been invited by now? So that's kind of hard to answer because if I even entertain the thought of, you know, expectations that I might have been invited, like I've got a, an avalanche of sort of counter arguments to that fact to kind of uh, make my thinking go back to what it should be, which is that, no, I don't expect any kind of invite to this th- kind of thing at all. Okay, maybe expect sense. is... A, uh, yeah, I think you, you did say a few minutes ago that you're kind of hoping. Yeah. You, and you kind of want to be part of it. Yeah, I, I kind of want to be part of it and I would like to be invited to kind of speak at a study tuber panel and stuff but expect is like yeah i I, I won't have any expectations about this yeah this this sort of stuff but it also kind of reminds me of like this 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 whole movement within within healthcare of people becoming interested in tech because the whole like med tech is the next big thing obviously yeah and like big data is going to change healthcare and stuff oh yeah um and there are all sorts of these sorts of like you know there's the nhs clinical entrepreneur program which is fine and there's all these like med tech conferences and talks and things and it seems to me that the people who kind of go to these med tech talks and stuff are the people who are not kind of putting their head down and actually doing anything. Um, whereas I f- like the the story that I, w- I, w- I want to tell myself is that the people who are sitting, who are putting their heads down and doing the work and actually making a difference in med tech are not the sorts of people who are talking about how much of a difference it's going to make. I don't know if that's at all relevant to the inner ring thing, but um, it probably isn't really. I think that's a little uncharitable. And I, I, I've held similar opinions uh, about, say, uh, you know, like the Entrepreneurship Society, University or whatever. And I kind of found that the people at university who are actually doing this stuff, they, you know, they weren't also... They they generally weren't the people who were showing up to these events and things Mm. you know they were just kind of getting on with it but i think it is kind of uncharitable because you know in your case you know you've been exposed to like tech from really early on you've been sort of into this stuff learned to code blah 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 and so like you've already had all all the sort of exposure bit done and now all of these events and things yeah you could sort of point them and say oh haha it's just people like talking rather than doing but like that's the exposure step for a lot of a lot of people that you've already had and similarly at university like yeah fine the people who are sort of starting starting actual companies and things and uh you know while they're at university they're not also going to the talks and things but that's because they've already had the exposure step and the kind of uh you know le- learning step beforehand anyway which lets them sort of do that and so okay yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's, right, it's right. a bit of a cynical view yeah you're right i'm being a dick i'm sorry <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> that was a very un- un- uncharitable viewpoint to hold <laughs> yeah um hmm. Right, I think uh, I think that's it for the discussion. Let's end on let's end on an insight of the week. I did a tweet. <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> More shameless self promotion. Oh man, I did a tweet, a thread, a, a tweet thread, if you will, um, last week, 
I was, uh, for some reason, the, I thought that I kept coming back to was then was that when I was younger, you know, when aged like six to twelve, let's say. I remember when you when you used to go to a friend's house or when you had friends over at your house. The feeling when it was time for everyone to go home that used to be like genuinely devastating. That used to be truly, truly like. I mean, I I I, I remember the feeling well, unless I'm misremembering, obviously. And like the worst things that have happened that, that happened to me in my life right now. You know, the kind of things that happen like once or twice a year, like the really bad things. That was the feeling I used to have every time it was time for the, my friends to go home. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like, I, I thought this was interesting because I think the turning point when I stopped having this feeling as a kid was when uh, I well, basically when I had my own computer at home, because this sort of meant that I had, I, I think like before, before the stage of having my computer, to be honest, I don't know what I used to do at home. Um, I'm, I'm sure there was a bit of TV in there. Uh, I think we had a PS2, we had a Game Boy. I'm sure there was some of that stuff in there. But for the most part, I don't think I really existed. I think I really only existed inside. Uh, you know, some kind of uh, structured activity like school or hanging out with you, you know, going to a friend's house or doing whatever, like, I don't know, football or something. And once I had a computer, uh, my own computer at home uh, with internet access, it kind of <clears throat> opened up a whole new world of existence for me where I now also existed when I was on my own. I existed, you know, and, and I was on the internet and like I had I had this whole life when I'm on my own. Whereas before that, when I was on my own, I, yeah, like I said, I, I, I don't recall existing on my own before that um and so that uh, well, the, the first sort of thought based on that feeling was that like man the internet is absolutely life-changing stuff uh you know i think it was amazing to have that as a kid the second thought was that maybe the internet thing is part of it but maybe also i mean uh, when i look back i think hanging out with friends and stuff back in those days used to be like the best thing ever like you know you'd, you'd kind of have your friend round all day or whatever and you'd kind of you know you'd start off going outside and playing like some football and stuff and just kind of like running around chilling around outside then you'd come inside and you know have some lunch or something or and then you'd like uh, you know play video games indoors and stuff and like the the chills as a kid the seshes they used to be so good they used to be like ridiculously good and i think the reason i I started thinking about and i think the reason is the the reason is because the structure of seshes as a kid is basically optimal for being a kid it's like what what else could you possibly want to do apart from go play outside then go play inside and punctuate that with some food and some drink i mean that is that's just the life right and i think I think somehow accidentally the uh, optimal kid seshes are actually the standard kid sesh. At least it was for us. I remember it being pretty great, right? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was pretty great. It was, it was, it was awesome. However, I think the standard adult sesh is like, and this is some, uh, we've talked about this stuff before. The standard adult sesh is like you know three hour dinner, uh, d- d- two two to three hour dinner after work uh, or whatever with like a small group of friends or something. Um, and I just I just don't think that's optimal for anyone. Like we we've said this stuff before uh it's similar to the stuff we were talking about uh, on the last episode which was two weeks ago about intentional socializing of like you know we we should structure our sort of socializing in more optimal ways so that everyone gets more out of it i think as a kid it actually was optimal somehow accidentally and it was awesome man those were the days yeah i think there's still something very very optimal about the whole playing outside than playing inside <laughs> punctuated <laughs> yeah, yeah. by a bit of food like i can remember like sort of a few days where we we have friends friends going back to university for reunions and stuff and kind of just playing playing lacrosse for a few hours followed by like a barbecue followed by going around someone's house to like chill and play board games that that is like optimal sesh yeah okay so you you do you you do actually do that occasionally yeah but like once in a a blue moon yeah yeah it just goes back to the intentional socializing thing of like i mean you 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 seem to think that's the optimal sesh even now i think you're probably right The, the few times i've had that sesh it's been pretty optimal and you know why don't you have that sesh every saturday why don't you have it every week <laughs> yeah anyway that's my insight that's your insight of the way okay awesome i think that's a good place to end it thanks very much for listening uh, apologies again for no episode last week we were just feeling a bit lazy um and yeah if you listen this far please leave us a review and sign up to skillshare at skillshare.com slash not overthinking because the more people that sign up to skillshare the more money we get for these sponsorships <laughs> <laughs> which is ideal because at the moment we're losing a lot of money on the monthly uh, hosting fees of of this podcast mm, yes <laughs> yes that, that's why we want that Dozens sponsorship yeah (laughs) that's why we want that sponsorship dollar anyway thanks for listening and we'll see you next week bye-bye